worshiping with us. You may be seated. I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor here. I'm so glad that you have come to church. How many are happy to be in church this morning? Amen. No place I'd rather be feeling the heat of the Holy Ghost. And we'll get some heat in here as well. You know, we always play that game. You know, it's like too hot, too cold in the winter. So maybe we could turn it up just a smidgen more, please. And thank you, because I know if I'm a little chilly-willy, some of y'all still in scarves and yeah, sock hats. I got sisters like not an amen. Put it up, Pastor. Put it up. Okay. I got you. I got you. Let me give you guys my Christmas talk. Uh, nudge your neighbor and say, this will be fun. <laughs> this is always fun, fun, fun. Let me give you my Christmas talk. So I, as your pastor, don't feel the need to have to explain this to you every year, but this one is a special year because Christmas falls on Sunday. So let me just explain to you my heart. First of all, I don't celebrate Christmas. This is a personal conviction. I have never personally pushed it onto others, though I used to preach about it more often, but I never forced people to do it. So I can say, as long as I've been a pastor, I've always uh, given people the opportunity to make their own choice. So no major transformation there. But um, I just personally don't celebrate Christmas. Now, as I said, I wouldn't talk about this normally. I already have a blog up. I post it up every year around this time if I can think about it. If I don't, I forget about it. And it's always an interesting conversation because when people get on us about um, the freedom we give people in the church, you know, to celebrate Halloween respectively of the commands with the commands of God in mind, they, they just go buck wild on that. And then I always ask them, do you celebrate Christmas? And then they usually say they do. And then I show them the hypocrisy of that stance and they don't like that, but, 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 but it's different. It, it, it's different. No, it's not, not to me. I hate Christmas. Just between you and I, I hate it. Feel sorry for my wife and kids. Yes, they do need some church therapy after this, I know. Uh, but I did, but this is what I said, and I've said it before. In marriage counseling, I spoke to my wife very clearly. And I know that God can transform people's hearts throughout the years. But I said to her very clearly, this is the call of God on my life. Uh, number one, I'm looking for a wife that wants a lot of kids. Can we go for a dozen? This isn't premarital counseling, okay? Can we go for a dozen? She's like, I, I'm, I'm down. I can go for that. Number two, I want to homeschool. So that means you're going to be at home a lot. You're going to be with the kids a lot. Are you down with that? And she's like, yeah, I'm down with that. And you might be thinking to yourself, barefoot, belly out in a kitchen, you know. But I, I mean, I just, this was the vision. You got to have vision, man of God, right? You're in a church with vision. I've always had vision for things. This is the vision for the family. And then the last thing, but not least, I don't celebrate holidays. I haven't since I've been a young Christian. They grieve me. They bother me. I don't like them. Uh, I, I just, I'm not going to celebrate them in our house. And she said, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm down with that. You know, she had expressed that in her life over time, her family did it less and less and, and so forth. And uh, she has done well on all uh, the first two. Uh, the third one, she keeps trying to slip it in. And I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but it, I had a little bit of a breakdown. I, it was Christmas Eve or something. There was the decorations all over because they just got added on one at a time, you know, and then before I knew it, I came down and my whole house was decorated, the kids got stockings and all of this, and, and here is to my honesty in this, and I don't know why more people don't admit it, I think it's just probably pride, and I'm not saying look at how humble I am, but this is a sign to me that God is working in my life, is that I realize that this hatred that I have towards this day is actually a weakness, everybody say weakness. It's not a strength. It's not something that I'm supposed to boast in and, and see myself being so much stronger 
than those who celebrate the days. And I've had to be really honest with myself. And so it is a weakness. It's like the passage in Romans. If your brother can't eat this meat, they can't. They're weak in faith. Don't you go down to the Chinese buffet, get the Mongolian chicken, and then bring it over there because it's going to be in their head that they have a Buddha statue there, a statue there at the Chinese buffet, and they have a plate of food, and they offer this to their God. So don't get them the Mongolian beef. Go, go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Everybody tracking with me? Romans talks about that, that it's the weakness of that person. Somebody say weakness. Thank you. So it's my weakness. It's my weakness that when I went down and said to my wife, I'm throwing this stuff away. We're done. You know, so I'm the Grinch who stole Christmas in a sense. You know, I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want any of this. So, so because of my weakness, she'll ask me like, is this cool? You know, is this cool? And then people in the church ask me, and I feel like I'm such a pathetic person that you have to ask me these things. Trust me, I feel very weak. And then one brother yesterday at the holiday party, can we put up the picture that I put on my personal Facebook page for the staff party that we had, um, one of the brothers came up to me and goes, Pastor, can I greet you with a Merry Christmas? And I just felt so bad. I'm like, has it come down to that? Am I so weak and fragile that you have to like just ask me, is it okay because I don't want to hurt your feelings? I don't want to make you upset. Uh, and I'm like, sure, say whatever you want, man. I love Jesus. I want you to have a happy time with Jesus. Merry Christ, Mass. Mass means celebration or remembrance. So I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. But here, here's my thought behind it, if you want to know my thought. My, my first thought is, is I'm a Bible man. Somebody say, a Bible man. I'm a Bible man doing the best I can. It's an old Dolly Parton song. It was, uh, her, she sang, Father was a preacher man doing the best he can, something like that. I'm a preacher man. I'm a Bible man. I go by the Bible. And so when I first got saved, it's just this is my book. This is my playbook. This is what I'm doing in life. And so when I saw people doing things in the name of God that wasn't in the book, it just threw me for a loop. Like why are we putting all of this time and attention into things that we're saying are about Jesus but really aren't in the book. It's not here. Like, it doesn't tell me to do that here. But then I see this whole culture turn upside down, you know, like I was sharing a little bit last week. The drummer boys start getting lowered down from the ceiling of the church. Everybody's, like, you know, decorating stuff. And they're saying they're doing it for Jesus. And I'm like, but I don't see this here. I don't see it here. So that, it just bothered me as a Bible man. Just as a Bible man, it bothered me. And then the second thing is I absolutely more than anything else, I hate Hallmarkism. Hallmarkism. I just, I hate it. I don't like it. Uh, to me, because I grew up in the, some of you, this like, you're having a hard time loving me right now. Just pray for me. Remember, I'm weak in my faith, okay? Because some of you like Hallmark. You like the movies. You like the idea of what it is. If I went to your house right now, I wish I could have, like, put up the screen of our brother and sister so-and-so's house. Like, their whole house, like, it's blinking right now. There's Christmas trees everywhere. There's children doing all of these wonderful things. And it's cool if your children are my friend, right? Like, is it okay if we talk about this and you bring your children to our church? Can they handle this, right? Because I'm not upset with you. I'm not, I'm not disappointed in you. I love you. I'm just saying for me, so I didn't like this idea of what it was. I, I don't like that for my birthday. I don't like it for anything. So it's not like I'm just being selfish about it, you know. I don't like, I don't like things like that. It's just, it's just not me. But what bothered me about this is it cheapens. It cheapens to me what 
the incarnation is. And you guys have seen me here in this church preach on it so much. God in the flesh. John 1.1. 1, 1. I mean, uh, if you wanted to stay hydrated in the church, take a shot of water anytime pastor quotes John 1.1. 1, 1, you know? Like, let's give it up for our staff and elders right here. Isn't this amazing? Beautiful. Christmas party there. That was awesome. Thank you for that. And so, like I said, my brother asked me if you can wish me a Merry Christmas. You can. You can wish me whatever you want. Amen. And so I think to myself, like, wow, uh, you know, Hallmarkism cheapens the incarnation because I live in John 1 1. John 1 1 is my life. That our God did that. And then it seemed true in the crucifixion, like he was God. He wasn't just saying it, he was God. And so when I see the figurines, when I see all of those things, when I, when I see baby Jesus and all that, like to me it just takes away from everything that I picture that as. I also have a hard time with depictions of Jesus. So long before people got upset about white Jesus, I hated that kind of depiction of Jesus. I just didn't like it. it I wouldn't go so far, <clears throat> excuse me, can I get some water? I'm somewhat struggling now, thank you. Um, Snuck up on me. How many are having some challenges this time of the year? Anybody else? A few of you? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. And so what I began to realize is like, I didn't like Jesus like that. You know, I just didn't like the way he looked. I didn't like the way it felt. It never felt like the Bible to me. Like, um, how do you have a thank you? Oh, thank you. How, how do you have Calvin Klein Jesus, you know, uh, doing stuff in the temple like that. I, I just don't see it. It's always the opposite of what the Bible says. In Isaiah 53, it says there was no um, attraction to him. There was nothing that would have drawn you to Jesus. Every Jesus that you see in a, in a play or a movie, you would have been drawn to him. Like if you were picking out who's the most attractive, you know, some of you, that's not your style. You know, I get it. But I'm saying like for the you know, like our culture, that's what it is. And that comes from, as, uh, you know, people have pointed out, that comes from the medieval times. That comes from the European times. And there's a lot that can be said on that. Uh, keep your eyes on my Facebook page. There's hopefully going to be a debate between me and one of the main groups here with the Hebrew Israelites because we bumped into them. Amen. Uh, last week when we were out there on the west side, and uh, we're going to call it a battle for the block. Amen. It's going to be pretty amazing. But I got to get back. He's got to get back with me on that. And uh, he's definitely met a real one here. Amen. So he's, he, he, he was really funny on the phone because he was like, you rolled up on our block, talked to my guys and said you wanted a debate. He said, that got my attention. And I'm like, yep, that's what we do. That's what we do. We're not intimidated in any way. We're here for you. So going back to my, my heart on this, yeah, like when you hear the black community say, like, why has white Jesus been pushed on us for so long? I mean, they have a, they have a point there. So I never was into that. I never, I never wanted to promote that. That wasn't my thing. I've, I tried to use those pictures at, at some point. Even one time when I made our discipleship book, I had Jesus as white Jesus doing the thing. He was, you know, handing the Bible to the black person, and that didn't go over very well. You know, when I ran into those people, he got white Jesus giving the black guy the Bible. What's wrong with this picture? You know, I had to explain it. And then also one time I met a, a, right, a racist guy, a white racist guy, and he's like, Jesus giving a black guy a Bible. Yeah, he needs it like that. And I was like, whoa, 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 not here now. I'm like, you need it too here, you know. So there was some interesting conversation that came out of that, but I'm glad that we got away from that. And then the last thing, not only does it just, you know, bother me because it's not in the Bible, because it's really hallmarky, but paganism, and this is a, this is a buzzword, this is a conspiracy word here, <clears throat> excuse me, paganism finds its way into all kinds of Christian ideas. Can I hear an amen to that? 
And everybody wants to overplay this. And trust me, I bought into it at one time too. When I was a King James only person, I saw everything as pagan and I didn't watch TV and I didn't listen to secular music. I didn't, you know, uh, watch movies of any kind like that. I, I wore a suit. I only read the King James Bible. And I was very adamant like that was for me, but I never pushed that on others either. Believe it or not, I never did. The, the thing that I did push on others was, uh, you know, their, their line in entertainment. I would ask them not to listen to secular music or like rated R movies, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't push on them, no TV, no movies, and, and things like that. But I began to see, you know, these stories of Christianity uh, being retold by pagans and how it was adopted into the church. And now I have, I have the big books, <coughs> excuse me, on this, and now there's some debate on where these things came from. So I don't push it as hard as I used to. So some of the things, like, for example, you know, decorating of the evergreen tree. I would go to Jeremiah, and I would say they cut down a tree, they decorate it, and they worship it. There's your Christmas tree. But when you actually look at that, that's making an idol out of the tree and then worshiping it. That's not what people are doing with the Christmas tree. Now, I've told you before that you bow down to it, don't you? You get on your knees and get your kids your gifts. I know, it's a cheap pastor trick, but I would, I would talk like that. So you're technically not, it's like you're, it's like you, you have to be manipulated or, or uh, be lied on to say that you're making it an idol. So how many of you have a Christmas tree? Let's be honest. Does anybody here worship it? Of course not. So it's not an idol. It's not an idol to you. So even if it didn't fit into that context, it, it wouldn't be what you're doing. And then I began to realize that a lot of things fit into that, like the idea of the mistletoe and things like that. And so what I began to realize is that pagans love to actually use that against us. So if you celebrate Christmas with those things, you got to be ready for what pagans will actually tell you. Paganism is actually growing in America, possibly the fastest growing religion in America right now is paganism. And so what, what you will see is that they'll want to use that against you and say, see, you're taking our symbols and putting them into your religion. You're using mistletoe. This was a part of our tradition. You're using the evergreen. That was a part of our tradition. Well, the problem with that in this kind of like hasty generalization or saying everything is alike is you're not giving credit to every culture doing something with the foliage or the things outdoors. So if you're living in a culture where it gets cold and everything dies, what's the only thing that's green out in your front yard? The evergreen, right? So that's going to be special to you. And things like mistletoe and things like that that could be kept around, leafy plants that could be kept around longer, hung up around the house, are going to be a part of all cultures. And so I began to realize, like, okay, wow, this wasn't necessarily pagan. It was something pagans did and Christians did, and there was kind of swapping of traditions. And then here's something that I learned as well, and I've actually gotten some high-up people to admit this when I told you I was debating with the Vikings and so forth. Uh, they actually admitted this, those who have studied, that Christianity can be predated in those Nordic regions before many of their traditions in their religion. And so it's been often said that when the Christian missionaries came and won over Europe, that people wanted to rebel against the Christian church and begin to make traditions that were part Christian and part pagan. So it's always looked at like Christians are borrowing paganism to get more pagans. Christians are borrowing paganism to get more uh, Christians. But it's 
also been proven that pagans borrowed Christianity to get more pagans. Everybody go, ah. See, never thought about that. You study history. So it's not as simple as it would seem. But to me, now here's my, my point in saying all of that, but to me, paganism is anything that is not here and is considered a part of worship. So that so that, so that's where now we have to draw the line. So do you do stuff that's not in here? Yes, you do. I do stuff that's not in here. You drove a car today, that's not in here. Do you sing songs that, you know, that, that we've wrote or people have wrote in the last hundred years? Yes, you do. They're not psalms. There are some Christians that don't believe in any technology like the Amish. I grew up around them. And, that, and by the way, when I tell you stories like the Amish, some of you think that's silly, like he's being silly. Like when someone says to me, Joe, uh, you shouldn't celebrate Halloween, but I celebrate Christmas and it's different. And I'm like, no, it's not. Let me explain where this leads. If you keep living like this, you will find yourself on a farm with your wife having a doily on her head, churning butter. And they look at me like, you're crazy. I say, no, I'm not. Let's go two miles. Everybody go two miles. Two miles from my house, and I'll introduce you to the Amish. Okay, that is real. So when I talk about legalism and people not knowing what it looks like when you don't have a principle of Christian freedom, I know what the Amish look like. I've been around them. They've been my uh, housekeepers or people that, that, that built in our neighborhood or people that we went into their market, okay? And even when uh, we, we took a mission team to Fort Wayne, where's Tina at? Tina disappeared on us. Tina has ascended to the seventh heaven. Wherever she went, she could, she could testify and verify that we went to the Amish market. Okay, so here's my point. I don't want people to become so obsessed with legalism that you go to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. But I want you to make sure that you're not worshiping those things that are not in the Bible. So did you do things and have you done things that are not in this Bible and you're still a Christian? Yes, do you drive a car? Yes, but it's not in this Bible, right? See, my friends that are Amish don't drive cars. Thank you for coming back. My friends don't drive cars because it's not in here. Now, Tina, did you go with us to the Amish market? You saw the Amish, and it was only a couple miles from my house, right? And you saw them, horse and buggy. You saw their market. You saw no electricity. You saw that, right? That, that's how I grew up. I grew up in that kind of a community, and we would do all kinds of wild things out in that community. I'll tell you what, got into a lot of trouble out there. Um, maybe just one story. Just, this, would be, this is a clean story. There's a town called Grable that is predominantly all Amish, and so the lights go off. They don't really have street lights. I think maybe they do now, but it was like your kind of quintessential small country town, and when the light, uh, when it would be dark out, there'd be no lights, and so we would go out there, do some bad things, and then play hide-and-seek in their downtown. That's what we would do. That was, that's what you do out in the suburbs by the Amish, okay? It gets a lot more PG-13 than that, but I'm not here to boast in sin, but talk about Jesus, amen? But that was something we did in their Amish community. So we'd be ducking and hiding all up in their property and stuff. Like, we didn't care. Like, they were cool, man. They weren't going to do nothing to us. Hiding in their downtown, doing crazy stuff. Because that's the Amish. We knew we had Amish people. 
Okay, so you do stuff not in the Bible, and you're not Amish, so you don't need to go all that way. But when we look at, like, Christmas celebrations, I just don't like the way the culture treats it. It's not, to me, safe. For me, it starts to edge on paganism. It's like another kind of Jesus. It's another kind of worship. It's a, it's a thing that these people are doing, and they are calling themselves Christians, and they're doing these things, and they're putting something in it with their heart and their soul, and it's important to them, but it's not scriptural. So it may not be a one-to-one comparison of paganism, but it feels like paganism to me. So for example, just give you an example, when my non-Christian neighbors start putting up nativities, that feels pagan to me. Why are you, a non-Bible-believing Christian, putting up a nativity? Why are you not living for Jesus all the days of your life? Why are you doing this now? So that's some kind of a thing because my Jesus is just not an, like a, um, he's not a founding father of our country. That's why I don't have this problem with 4th of July because it doesn't bother me. I don't care what you think about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln is not a religious figure to me. So if you wanted for 4th of July, put up pictures of Abraham Lincoln around your house and um, or George Washington rather because that would be more closer to that time, right? That wouldn't bother me. But what bothers me is I see my Jesus, my Jesus, a depiction of him who's a religious figure to me in a non-Christian honoring way. Even though like they may say, well, it's honoring the nativity, right? It's, it's honoring that. Yeah, but your life is not honoring it. And so why do you do that? Why do you do that with my Jesus? That's why I want to ask them, why do you do that with my Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Why are you putting them up like that? Oh, baby, naked Jesus in here. You know, why are you doing that with them? Why, why do you use his name for this house? Why are you saying my Savior's name? Now, in one sense, uh, there's like this war on Christmas where people want it to be removed and taken out. And so, and, and in another sense, I'm like happy you guys who celebrate Christmas are fighting for that to be on your job. And it's not a holiday party. It's a Christmas party. Anybody ever see uh, The Office when Stanley gets upset because uh, Michael Scott asks him if he wants to celebrate Kwanzaa? And he's like, I don't want to celebrate Kwanzaa. I want to celebrate Christmas. Give me Christmas. Christ in the main, you know, and so I, I, I'm with you on that. And if that's a fight that you guys want to fight, I want to fight that with you because uh, a lot of us um, need to stand for that freedom of speech. But an interesting, uh, interesting note here, Spurgeon, or, or excuse me, uh, D.L. Moody, and I do believe also Spurgeon, and a lot of the early pilgrims rejected Christmas. And I have some of their quotes in my my, my discussion on this because they felt the way I did, that it has so much to do with Roman Catholicism, teaching people to think about it this way, and then it kind of makes people pagan because they don't have the real Jesus, but they think they're doing something with Jesus. It's not in the Bible, so they would say, we don't want anything to do with it. So Christmas didn't really become popular in American culture until there became more Roman Catholics who have been comfortable with a lot of other integrations into their religion that we still would consider very icky, and some of it could be directly pagan. Can I hear an amen to that? We protest that for a reason. So that's why I hate Christmas. Long story short, that's why I hate it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to hate it. But let me say this. If coming to church on Christmas is not your priority, you are full of the devil. Let me make it clear to you. 
If you're not here next week and you consider yourself a Christian, please do not come back to this church. Do not come back. You're not, you're not going to get along with me here. And I'll tell you why. Because you are backwards in your Christianity. You are backwards. If you think to yourself, I need to stay home from Jesus' house to celebrate Jesus' birthday, you are a spiritual cotton-headed ninny-moggin. Hey, Jesus, I'm not going to your house to celebrate your birthday. I'm going to do it at my house and give gifts to other people in your name. That is the stupidest thing that I could possibly imagine. Seriously. So if you want to stay home for Christmas and not come to church next week, do not come back to this church. This is not a church for you. I'm just being honest with you. You and I will not ever get along. You and I do not celebrate the Jesus of the Bible. You are doing something so backwards that I have taken 20 minutes to explain it to you. And if you don't get it, there's no help for you here. You must go to the Santa Claus Church down the street and have them explain to you in a different way that you can understand and try to get that knowledge there. But I can't give you that knowledge here. Can I get an amen from anybody? I love you all, but this is not your church. I just, I'm so honest with you on that. I'm not trying to force you to get out of our church. I want you to stay in our church. I want you to be a part of our church. But if in your mind you think to yourself, oh, it's Christmas and it's a Sunday. I, I have a Christmas tradition I do with my kids. And there's, and there's just no way church I can make it. Church is going to get in the way of my Christmas tradition. Your Christmas tradition belongs in the garbage. And your Christmas tradition will be part of the flames of hell fire that devour this earth and eternally torment sinners outside of the presence of God. Amen. So please share this with anybody who's thinking that we are going light on Christmas. We don't go light on it here. We don't go, I, I as your pastor and your spiritual shepherd, I love you and I serve you and I honor you and I want to uphold Christian liberty, which is a doctrine, which means where I am weak or someone else is weak in conscience, I am to humbly serve for the greater good. And I am to look out for your good, you're to look out for my good. But let there be no debate on whose day December 25th is this year. That day belongs to Jesus. It's not little Timmy's day to be focused on his red tricycle or his BB gun. That day is dedicated to Jesus. Timmy, we're going to church to worship Jesus. Timmy, we're going to hear the word of God on Christmas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I can't tell you enough if it's a thought in your mind. What do I do on Christmas when it falls on a Sunday? If you are questioning that, repent, brother or sister, of your Christmas idolatry. 
And if your left hand or your right hand or your Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer causes you to sin, I'll meet you there today. We'll set it on fire and we'll get rid of it once and for all and just go back to following Jesus according to this. But for my brothers and sisters who love Jesus and you love me, though I try my best to do this non-offensively, would you please just honor God that day with whatever tradition you celebrate? Whatever you do. Well, we get up early and we all stay in our pajamas and then we let the little ones open their gifts and, and then we do this and we do Just do all of that and then get your sanctified behind in that car and get your holy self to church. Amen. Because when the staff said to me, should we change it up, I almost wanted to say, H-E double hockey sticks, no. We're not changing up nothing. We're going to see who the real ones are. 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 201, get them here. It's God's day. But then in my heart, I said, well... Everybody has their own thoughts on this, and let's show as a church that we respect and honor them and give us one day where we have one main service together, and let's use it so that everyone can come together and see each other kind of like a Metro Parade's Christmas party. That was the justification in my mind. Let's have a nice big Christmas party and celebrate Jesus. Amen. Now, I hope that I can deliver it as good in the second service, but that's just my heart for you. Now, if you were to say to yourself, Pastor, would you put it on Scripture? I, I can easily put it on Scripture. Do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren as you see the day approaching. That's the scripture. Show me now a scripture that says, but, but, but when Santa Claus comes to town, I can forsake the gathering together of the brethren. Come on, somebody. So I got the scripture on my side. We meet at the first day of the week. It's the Lord's day. We do not forsake that day. We do it unto Jesus. It's our joy. And if you are, listen to me, a Christmas celebrating person, this for you should be like the Super Bowl. Oh, man, it falls on a Sunday. Yeah, we get to do it twice. I get to have church with my kids, tell them the Christmas story. And then I get to see my brothers and my sisters. And I get to sing songs about Jesus. And I get to give him the sacrifice of praise on his birthday as my greatest gift. So I would hope and I would assume the best that anyone here that would see it coming on a Sunday would just be rejoicing. Oh, man, this is exciting. This is exciting. And that you would give it all to God that day. And I'm thankful because I, I hear many of your Christmas traditions, and it's amazing. Well, we read the Christmas story, and we tell them the gospel and all of those wonderful things. That's amazing. And then you can do it again with your brothers and sisters here. Amen? Because otherwise, and I just, you know, just every now and then I got to draw some lines. Last time I drew the line, it had to do with going out and preaching the gospel. If you're not a gospel preacher nor want to be one, this is not a church for you. You don't get it. You need to go somewhere else, okay? And the same thing is, if you want to celebrate Christmas outside of church on a Sunday, this is not the church for you. 
You pagan thing, you. You have the wrong idea of what it is. And I don't think probably there's anybody here that I'm having that issue with. But it's okay. And if you want to talk to me, just write L. Sienski at mpichurch.org, and you can tell her everything you want to tell me. Oh, man, I love you guys. And I know that's sometimes hard. Like, man, pastor says those things. Jesus said those things. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't come follow me. You know, this idea that Christianity is just an easy believism has given us a terrible reputation in the world. Terrible. I have to clean up the mess all the time of the backslidden church. How many of you have to clean the mess up of the backslidden church? I have to clean it up all the time. Well, my pastor told me this. Well, I was raised like this. Well, I was a Christian and I used to believe this. Man, I'm sorry you were told it wrong. I am. I am so sorry. You were told it wrong. But let me help you now with the truth. Let me help you now with the truth. We don't cancel church for Christmas. We don't do that. I'm sorry if someone told you that being a part of a Christian church uh, doesn't obligate you to God's commands or to what he expects of you. I'm sorry. This is not a country club. This is a church. This belongs to Jesus. Amen? This is a place, the one place where we should uphold the commands of God. People get so intimidated by that. Well, what about the sinner? What about the one that doesn't understand? There's a place for them. The place is at the altar for them to repent and pray and ask God to help them understand and to take that journey with us. But for anyone to come into the house of God and be stubborn, well, I still want to sleep with my girlfriend, or I still want to do that. This is not the place for you. You, you, Paul said to this, kick them out. Don't even eat a meal with them if they call themselves a believer. And I know sometimes, because I'm studying cults, we think, that, excuse me, we think that's cult behavior. Well, then by that definition, Jesus is your cult leader. Do you understand? It's goofy when you get to the Bible, and now Jesus is the equivalent of a Jim Jones. If you don't have a system to divide from Jim Jones to Jesus, your system is broke. Our system is clear. Is it like Jesus? That's what determines us from truthhood and falsehood. Is it like Jesus? Now, of course, everybody can say it's like Jesus, but is it really? And that's why we test their claims, and we test them by the Word of God. And so for us in this church, I just, I'm just proud of you. Honestly, I am. You're here today. You hear messages like this, and you come back next week. Amen? I'm proud of you, but I have to say this. It's not for me, is it? It's not because I, got, I shouted and, and had a tone. Or, I mean, are you doing this because you love Jesus? Because that's why I do it. That's, that's why I'm here. I'm sacrificing my life to the cause of Christ. I'm not doing this out of religious tradition. That's why when I talk to people uh, of other religions, I, I say, if you think, because they always put pastors in this category, and very few pastors ever engage with them. So they have this mindset of what a pastor is, and then when they meet one that is not like that, they don't know what category to put it in. And so just like the other day, this gentleman was saying, man, like, I've never met a pastor like you. That's good. That's a good thing, because God's going to use me in your life right now, okay? And I don't take that prideful. But I just want to let you know, most pastors, Pastors, most pastors are the most insecure people you'll ever meet. And that's okay to a certain extent because they got to come from somewhere, right? And God uses many times pastors to have gentle spirits, kind hearts, and that great strength can become their weakness. 
my gifts lean more towards apostolic, okay? So I'm not generally a senior pastor in my gifting, though I fulfill that role. And I've been here for a while, but remember, apostles are called and sent to do other works. And we'll see as the Lord leads, as we look at that board, 500 churches around the world, there's always an open door for me overseas. One of the places that they, and I'm not saying I would live there permanently, but, you know, God knows, would be like in the Philippines. They want me over there. Tisa and Jean are over there. We also have Brother Ray over there, and they want me to help them church plant because the harvest is so great. Okay, And if I went over there, we're still keeping Metro Praise here, obviously. We're going to put Metro Praises over there. Amen. I just want to clarify that. It's not like, hey, we're done with Metro Praise. Now you all figure it out. How many know we're going to plant 500 around the world? That doesn't change. Amen. But I look at that and I go, well, you know, God has called me here. That's, it's not my time to go and do that. But I look at pastors and how deeply insecure they are. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that it starts that way, you know, because they got to come from somewhere, as I said, and God's going to develop in them great gifts and different things. But a lot of them struggle in relationships because they put their dependency on people. And you really can't blame them because how many of you want to lose a friend today? Do you want to lose a friend? No, you don't want to lose a friend. You want pe- how many people don't want your friends to like you? You want people to hate you. You don't want that, right? So who's going to say what I just said to your friends? You're not going to say that to your friends. Hey, if you don't do this, you can roll out. I don't need to be your friend. That Most of us don't talk like that. But the reason why I do as a pastor is because I'm first and foremost not your, sp- your friend. I'm a spiritual guide. Amen? I'm a spiritual guide. I am a, I am a spiritual leader to you. And that's why I have to say to you, if you don't respect and honor me in the way that it would be basic, like come to church on Christmas. I'm not a spiritual guide to you anymore. I'm not doing you any service anymore. Because if I'm going to preach to you next week, I want to preach to you knowing that you're putting Christ first in all that you're doing and that you've counted the cost. Can I hear an amen? That's not to harm you. That's actually to help you. Because I believe that when you put Christ first on Christmas, when you do that, you will be blessed for that. And you will have a worldview that can make it through the chaos of this world. Otherwise, you will be in the position that pastors are in and the churches are in. You will not be adequately equipped to answer the problems of this world. In other words, if Christmas is something that can deter you from church, then how soon will it be before you get deterred from the doctrines of marriage being one man and one woman? You see, because you're being influenced by a calendar, because something fell on this day and it wasn't convenient for you to come to church, how long is it going to be before marriage and holding up the the biblical version is not going to be convenient for you? So you're, uh, you're in danger of becoming a Christian of convenience, not a Christian of conviction. Hallelujah. We need to be Christians of conviction, not of convenience. And that's why when I prepare you for these moments in your life through times like this, like make a decision, cross the line. You know, like over the summer, cross the line. You've been attending the church. You haven't come to our outreaches. This is for you now. If you don't make this your priority, this is no longer your church. Cross the line. I want to see you cross the line. I don't want you to stay where you're at. I want you to cross the line. But if it's time for you to move away from the line and get off the gospel train and go somewhere then that's a good exit point. Can I get an amen? I want you to think about it, brothers and sisters. That's a good exit point. We have now come to a point of disagreement. Your pastor, your spiritual guide is saying, everyone does this. If you don't do this, go somewhere else. Now you know where I stand. 
When I study these cults and these other religions, it's always like an onion. You're peeling it back, peeling it back. And one of the most disgusting ones that is still popular in our day is Scientology. And the more you peel it back, you find out that Xenu is the one who created you in some laboratory. And now you're having to deal with the Thetans that got stuck here from a nuclear war. And so you need to get the E-meter to get free. But you didn't get the story of Xenu at the beginning. You didn't get that story at the beginning. You got that after you paid $100,000 to go clear, and then they hand you the sacred uh, fictional text. And I'm sorry that churches don't expect more out of you. I really am. I'm, ex I'm sorry that churches don't expect you to come to church on Christmas. I'm sorry that they shut down for you and give you other options, but there are no churches indeed. Most of them are synagogues of Satan. And they don't have any backbone. And they showed it to us during COVID. They didn't care about you. They cared about a paycheck. And they only do what's convenient to get you to keep coming. And I'm not saying trust me any more than you would trust them. But I'm saying test me as you would test them by the word of God. Does the word of God give you permission to take an American Hallmark holiday, slap the name of Jesus on it, and don't show up to church on a Sunday? Does the Bible teach you that? It sure enough doesn't. It, it doesn't at all. And so for our benefit, brothers and sisters, as this has now become my message, and I won't belabor you with John chapter 13 today, as this has become my message today, would you turn with me to the book of uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And may I encourage you. Somebody say, encourage us. Woo, somebody's hiney might be a little red right now. Says, Pastor, would you encourage me, please? I just need it. Remind me that you love me, Pastor. Otherwise, I won't be coming back. Well, at least, at least you can say I loved you enough to tell you the truth. Amen? I can just imagine what some of you guys go through when you meet former Metro Praise members, you know. It's like somebody on your job or on the bus. Oh, you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. Where do you go? Metro Praise. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Flashback, trigger, Whoa. Whoa. therapy dog, therapy dog, come here, all right, so you said you go to Metro Praise, huh, is it still the same over there, yep, one thing about our pastor is he's pretty consistent, other than him being about 80 pounds heavier, when we go back through the messages, he's pretty much the same person. Yeah. And then what do you tell him? Yeah, I'm still here. Well, I'm praying for you. You get delivered. Let me send you Rick Ross's 10 signs of a cult, and maybe you can identify what's going on in your life because I've gotten free, you know. Right? And, and it's just, I get it. Trust me, I get it. Because I have committed myself to the word of God to the point where it makes me look like I am a cult leader. But you see, God has always given me the gift of self-awareness, my brother. I'm not saying everybody has it, nor have I always had it. But God gave it to me as a gift early on. And when my wife and I were on Pulaski and Addison starting the church in our third floor apartment, she'll tell you, I said to her, I was in prayer today drawing out the vision of the church and what the Lord, I believe, has given us. And I said, the Lord put in my heart that we will be considered a cult when we begin to live by this. And it wasn't within just a few months that that buzzword began to come around because people had known me from another church, wanted to do uh, discipleship with us. And within just a few short weeks of discipleship, they said, well, this is cultish. 
And so it's nothing new to us to be accused of those things, but it's always uh, hurtful. I wouldn't say that it's, it's easy. I would say it's hurtful because the very ones that we're trying to help are the ones making these accusations. Because this is what I say to them. Aren't you tired of the backslidden church? Like, just, like, how many of you are tired of it? Like, how many of you are tired of worship leaders living in sin, getting caught on some party van, and then having to be exposed? Like, speaking about the guys from Maverick City, like, aren't you tired of it? How, how many of you are tired of hearing about pastors committing suicide? Like, aren't you just, like, done with it? Aren't you tired of hearing pastors burn out, take six months sabbaticals, and you still got to go to work, but they take six months sabbaticals, come back, and then they act like they got a revelation from the mountaintop. Well, your revelation from the mountaintop might not have been good, and it wasn't good enough because you take the next sabbatical next year. I mean, aren't you tired of, uh, of people claiming to be Christ, uh, Christians like Christ, and yet they don't live anything like him? They just don't. That You see it. They don't live anything like him. So my question always to those people is, what do you think a genuine New Testament church would look like in this culture? Do you think it would look like everything around it? It wouldn't. It would look different. It would smell different. It would taste different. It would ride different. It would feel different. Can I get an amen? It wouldn't look like what you're used to. It wouldn't feel like that. And so when you, when you bring out that accusation of a cult or a controlling leader, that's not a controlling leader. It's exactly the opposite. Controlling leaders keep you by manipulation. There is no manipulation here. If I see you next week, by God's grace, here... I know you're here because no one has manipulated you. It's because you chose to come back to church on a Christmas service knowing that Christmas never trumps Christ. Amen? The celebration of Christ is not the priority in our lives. Being in the church of Jesus Christ is. It is. It's my priority, not only because I'm a pastor, but because I see what it's done in my life. Before COVID, I had never missed a service in almost 25 years. That devil COVID <laughs> kept me away one week. I would have came uh, otherwise if they wouldn't have said about the quarantine, and I wanted to keep the amount of days quarantined. But I had already gotten over the fever, but I wanted to be free from the fever a certain amount of days. So I believe that was, that was even like Jesus giving me a wink like, I got you. You really haven't messed one, you know. And, of course, we can watch online. But it was like, I want to go to heaven, being able to say, Lord, perfect attendance, you know. And then he may say, it doesn't count anyways, you know, whatever. But I want to be there and have it count. I just want the Lord to know that my heart was always to be there. And, and my heart behind the church, even when I didn't agree with the pastors or have a good one to go to, I would still go. I remember going to these different churches, man, and these guys would ramble and ramble and ramble. And I would think to myself, I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't think you do either. Seriously, I don't think you know what you're talking about either. I have asked pastors even after they have had some of those sermons, do you know what you're talking about? You know what you said? Oh, I just let the Spirit guide me, brother. You know, And well, something guided you, but I can tell you right now, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, okay? And then the other thing, and then I would be to others, and of course they would have every point and everything, and then back then it was like three points and a poem, you know, and all of these things. And, and I just... I just wouldn't feel the Holy Spirit. I would be sitting in there going, okay, when do we get to the good stuff, man? When do we get to do it? When do we get to go out and be it and live it and, and feel like that this is what we're living for? So when we started this church by God's grace, I knew the cost of it would be this accusation. Well, you're weird. You're a call. You're mean. You don't love people. 
So we don't love you by doing everything for free, giving away everything we have for free, making sure you always have people in your life called mentors. That shows we don't love you. And, and loving you is charging you for conferences, charging you for Sunday schools, and then neglecting your discipleship, but just collecting your check. That's love. You see, that's how I began to understand the world has gotten into the church, and it's backward. It's, it's as, it has put its um, compass in the wrong direction. And I'm not saying we're the only one. Please, brothers and sisters, don't ever think that I'm saying we're the only ones. But, but for me, this is the only one. My wife is not the only wife in the pla- on, the, on the planet, in the world. But she's the only one for me. Can I hear an amen? Amen. There are many churches. There are many teachers. There are many good leaders. We are not the only one. But this is my church. This is the church for me. These leaders are my leaders. Can you please put up that picture again? These are my leaders. It was funny because uh, I was thinking to myself, if someone looks at this picture and doesn't know who the senior pastor is, who are they going to think it is? Either the guy with the bow tie, Brother Daryl, or over here, Pastor Berto with the tie. That's my pastor. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I always love introducing myself as one of the pastors at Metro Praise. I love introducing myself because I don't think of myself more highly than I ought. This is a team of brothers and sisters that are all hearing from the Lord, reading the Word of God, and are opening up their lives and their homes to make sacrifices for our city to get saved. Amen? And I appreciate every one of them. And I would be at any one of their Bible studies this week with a Christmas tree, and I would love and honor them. My spiritual father, Brother Anthony, loves Christmas. He becomes Santa Claus during this time of the year. He can't celebrate it enough. He is totally free in every possible way. I'm sure if you will see him this Christmas, he'll be wearing something like Santa Claus. They don't believe in Santa Claus, but he'll be wearing something like that just to have fun and to be festive. That's who he is. I don't care. It never bothered me. Even in my deepest conviction over what Christmas was and everything I've told you, and I was even stronger in it, it never bothered me. That's what he did because I was mature enough by God's grace to understand this is not a deal breaker. This is just something for me, okay? And now we look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I take that serious. I don't just uh, put that out there as a general warning in our culture. No, I think there are specific doctrines of demons in every generation. As the time gets later to the hour of Christ's return, as we're getting closer, I see doctrines of demons always coming against us to lie to us, to deceive us. And one of those doctrines of demons is you don't need the church. You don't need the iglesia, the ecclesia. You don't need the gathering together. And that is a devil's lie. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. There is no organization on this planet or any government or any sports team or anyone in leadership that believes individuality can get the job done. No one. No one. No one believes that. Everyone wants a team. Everyone wants a community. Everybody wants a place to belong and to accomplish a goal. 
But what is the goal of Jesus Christ upon this earth? Go to Matthew chapter 16, please, and verse 16. Doctrines of demons come to deceive. What are one of those doctrines of deceptions now? I don't need the church. I'm a Christian just with my Bible. That is a demonic lie. There is no such thing as a Christian just with their Bible. You can be a Christian with a Bible, but even in that point, you're still a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You're just being a rebellious member. Because every true Christian is in the church of Jesus Christ. It's impossible to be a Christian and not be in the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen? It's impossible. And so there may be times where there isn't a local gathering. There may be times where you're in persecution and you're not in a sacred gathering where the sacraments are being shared with you and the word preached by elders and deacons. That may be true, but you, brother or sister, are still in the church. But for anyone to say that I am a Christian but I don't need to go to church is in full rebellion against the Lord. The idea of anyone who can and is able to gather with God's people and rejects it for any reason is in danger of returning back to their vomit, as the Bible says, dogs returning to vomit, pigs returning to their mud. This is for our benefit because we together are strong. Together we are strong. I have ran out of fingers and toes to count the amount of times that I have come into this church and to these gatherings and been encouraged by you and your prayers for me. I've run on out of fingers and toes. It's happened so many times. We're seeing you smile, hug me, pray for me, love me, communicate with me, something that's going on in your life, or to preach to me, sing with me, or to have a word in between our times where we get to hear from God. Those are precious to me. They don't get old to me. I hear them as the voice of God. Your hands are like God's hands to me. I need you. I need the church. I have said even to Brother Anthony, I said, you know, as we've talked about our weaknesses and how temptation comes, I said, Brother, I covenant with you that if I as a pastor ever saw temptation as a reality. See, there's one thing for us to be tempted. It's another thing for you to contemplate it as a reality. I made a covenant with my pastor. That if temptation, and not only with him, but with the leaders in this church, that if it ever became a reality, something I contemplated actually doing, I would resign from this position and go be with you and sit under you until I find my way in Christ again. Because I cannot be lost. I do not want to be lost. I want to stay in the body of Christ. I want to feel the warm embrace of my brother's holy kisses in a spiritual way. Amen. I want to sense the love of the one who cares for my soul and will not neglect me to my own destruction. I want to hear your stories of triumph and defeat because they encourage me. That's why when you come into this church and sometimes people are a little bit confused, it's like, well, is it kind of gospelly African-American traditional church or is it modern non-denominational? Well, you kind of get a little bit of everything. And the reason is, is because I'm trying to take the, the best from all of those places. 
If you go to a traditional, modern, non-denominational church, they don't hand mics to people often. They don't let you testify. They don't let you come up and sing when you got a song. It's, it's going to ruin the show. You don't have the right outfit. You didn't go to Amber Crombie and Fitch that week. You don't have the Sideswipe or the Jordans. And we don't certainly trust anybody in the congregation to speak, right? So in that way, it's like old Pentecostal gospel-style church. It's like if you got a word, bring it. If you got a song, sing it. If you got a testimony, share it. If you're a visiting minister, I'm handing you the mic at the end of the service if I trust you or at the beginning. Amen. Because we believe in that. We believe in the community here. We believe that the fire of God, like tongues of fire, is sitting on everybody's head here that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we're, we're waiting with expectation. Where is the move of God? Who's got the word? I remember being in a service one time in chapel, and this sister was just playing on the piano. It was something we hardly ever touched. We, we only used these instruments, but in the corner of our chapel was an old piano, and she just went there and started singing, paying no attention to anybody else. But the presence of God came into that place, and I realized at that moment I ought not judge anybody's tradition because it doesn't sound like Hillsong or it doesn't come with the band and the light, lights. i got to be ready for where the spirit is moving and I saw what God did in that sister's life and I'm just saying to you I'm with that one I'm with that one it, it doesn't matter if her, her and I were standing next to her, each other today if you would pick us out together as friends I don't care I don't need to dress like her she don't have to dress like me we don't have to like the same things in life we don't have to do the same things as our hobbies but I'm with that one Give me a sister on the piano that knows how to touch heaven. I'll take that any day over Elevation Hill Song Beth if it doesn't get us to Jesus. Are you listening? Because I don't care about that. It's not, it's not a matter of entertainment. And we're good at it, but now the world, it, it, it just wants us to do it. And so they think of church as entertainment. Well, you know, we're going to do all of our Christmas stuff on Christmas Eve to make sure that we don't have to do it on Sunday. See, it's backwards. Now, I understand someone could be smart and come back and go, well, if all days are alike and we're not required to go any day, couldn't we call this day our special day Saturday? Yes, you could. Technically, you could. But what is the reason why you're going through so much trouble to switch things around? It's because you're doing it to celebrate something that you were never commanded to do. Why do that? And so I look at the church of Jesus Christ being deceived by a doctrine of demon called entertainment, called prestige. Joe, don't say that. We're going to bring visitors. Please bring visitors Christmas and hear what I have to say. Amen? Don't be nervous. Just tell them, here's what's going to happen as they're getting their, their shoes on. They're still in their jammy jams. They can come in their jammy jams. Listen, Uncle Mike, let me just tell you about the church we're going to here real quick. It's probably not what you're expecting on a Christmas service. We will sing some Christmas songs. That will, oh, okay, we're going to sing. Yes, we're going to sing those. Will we talk about baby Jesus? I'm sure that will come up at some point. But uncle, you better be ready to hear the gospel because we're going to hear it. And I hope you enjoy it because it's my church and let's go. So just bring them. Why? Because you don't have to be ashamed. I'll never embarrass you as a shock jock. My intention is not to bring attention to me. My attention is not about me. It's about Christ. I'm not bringing attention to me by saying, if you don't come to church Sunday, you're not a part. That is not bringing attention to me. My desire is not that you would see me in that command. 
but in the command of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, 16 and onward, Jesus replied, uh, let's go to verse 16. Who, are, who do people say that I am? Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in where? Heaven. Thank you. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. Now listen to the, the priority of the church. It starts with Peter, and then the next few chapters, the whole church gets it in chapter 18. But look at this. I will give you, the one confessing Jesus as the Messiah, the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. A generation is depending on us to come. Come to church in the name of Jesus and to bind the works of the devil over this city and to loose the things of God. There's a generation waiting for us to see the church of God built in this generation in which the gates of hell, they can't prevail. When they see the church coming, they close up shop and they head in the other direction because they know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And through Jesus Christ we will do violently. We will call upon the name of the Lord and bring forth these nations as an inheritance to the Father in his name and everybody said amen would you stand up with me today praise God let's go amen band and altar workers would you come please I love the Holy Spirit that wasn't planned amen if you know anything about me that was not planned these doctrines of demons they won't hold us back I'm not letting doctrines of demons hold me back from church next week I'm not letting doctrines of demons change what I believe the Bible says about sexuality. I'm not letting doctrines of demons change what the Bible teaches about heaven and hell and, in, and every other path that people want to walk down. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Christians, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, act like it. Act like it. Put him first. Show people what it's like when you take a stand for them. Can you please move that back for me? Thank you. Let the world, let the world see in you something different. Let the world see how serious you take this. We fight the good fight of faith. We don't give up. We don't give in. We hold on to the cross of Jesus Christ. We deny ourselves and we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. We're not man-centered. You see what I've just done for you today? We gave you, a, you know, the Lord, Holy Spirit, gave you a sermon through me today to encourage you. I didn't preach my conviction to you. I didn't preach my weakness to you. I preached to you the strength of the gospel. How you feel about Christmas is irrelevant right now. What's relevant is how do you feel about the Lord's Day? How do you feel about Jesus? How important is he to you? How do you look at Jesus? What, what does he do in your heart? For me, he captivates me. He changed me. He's everything to me. And if I had time, I would go to Ephesians in, this, in the, the scripture of marriage. And how when he says about the church, this is my bride. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church who gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself up for us that we might be married to him. I wouldn't leave my spouse for a moment. 
I would always want to be this close to my spouse. And yet we treat the church so flippantly in this generation. And I understand, brothers or sisters, we live in a time when there's been a lot of abuse from the pulpits. I never would ask you to submit to that. That is not what I'm, what I'm talking about. But I'm asking you to build the church of Jesus Christ in this generation. If the Lord tarries, we need children to be raised up here, don't we? Like what Jason is holding right there. Don't we need children like this to be raised up? Where are you going to do that? You need, you need a church to do that. What about your counseling? What about your therapy? What about your uh, sexual identity? What about these things the world is searching for? Dr. Phil and this one, that. We get this in the church. All that we need for the soul is here. And brothers or sisters, see your place in this generation as a pillar. It's an honor to serve God. It's an honor to be counted as a Christian. I'll never be ashamed of that name. I remember when they asked him, Polycarp, will you deny him? And he was like in his 80s. And he said, 80 years have I served him and he's been good to me. How dare I forsake him now? Sometimes you'll hear people say, life, it gives and it takes. And sometimes it feels like it takes more than it gives. And you'll hear them talk like that. You know, sometimes life, it hurts. Sometimes life has problems. But you know what? God is over my life. I don't look just to a broad thing called life. I don't look to a broad thing called Mother Nature. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I train my body to serve him. I train my mind to serve him. Because I know it's deceptive and it can lead me astray. Amen, brothers and sisters. Would you guard your hearts this Christmas season? Make sure you're worshiping the real Jesus and we'll see you by God's grace next week. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for everyone gathered here today. If anyone doesn't know you, Lord, I pray they would ask to be, uh, you would, they would ask them to be your Lord and Savior. They would accept Christ today as their Lord and Savior. If that's you, to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me more like you. If you've come here today and this is your last service, ask Jesus to bless you to help you find a church where you can get it to where you can understand it. We bless you now as you call this your last service. But those who will be coming back next week and, and giving their lives to the Lord in this kind of sacrifice, would you raise up your hands and say, use me, Jesus. I pour out my heart and soul to you. You're worth it, Jesus. I don't do anything for a man today. I don't fear man. It brings a snare. I fear the Lord that brings life and wisdom. Lord, I pray you make us witnesses that we talk to our friends and family and we share with them the truth about Christmas, that Christ was born so that he might die and raise again for our salvation. I pray, Lord, that we won't put anything before you, including the traditions of men in our family. Be first in our lives. All to Jesus, I surrender all. Can we close out singing that today, please? All.